If you are joining us for the first time today, or you've just been out for a while, we began in August using this time together, using our time in worship each week um, to reflect on the wisdom of Scripture, overarching themes in our story of faith that aid us in understanding God, understanding ourselves, understanding our world, and the relationship between all of it. Um, naming these overarching things, holding these big idea themes from our story of faith, and then taking those to aid us in thinking through the other things. As you know, we began at the beginning, those first three chapters of Genesis, because our beginning is pretty foundational. A creator God that created all that is and called it good. We are but creatures in this world God made. We live in a relational, connected world. God created us as relational beings, gave us free will, the gift of choice in our relationships. Um, our relationships with God, with each other, with the earth itself. And pretty quickly, we learned uh, that relationships are hard. They're messy. They get broken. Harm happens. So Genesis 3 gives us a picture of wrecked relationships with God, with one another, with the earth itself. But relationships can be mended. Some of you are familiar with this work, Manna and Mercy by Daniel Erlander. Um, and I know you are because Parkway Hills went through this with the previous pastor, Reverend Bruce Case. I'm leaning pretty heavily on it today, but I love the way at the beginning that Erlander sums up scripture. He also begins at the beginning, those foundational creation stories. And then he summarizes the first 11 chapters of Genesis, the origin stories, and he says this, the creator, in passionate love, decided on another way. It's a long story. A story of friendship, passion, promise, disappointment, hope, and self-giving love. It's a story of God mending the universe. Listen to the story of God. It's a pretty good way to think about the wisdom of scripture. A story of God mending the universe. Listen to the story of God. So last week we jumped from Genesis to the Exodus story and we met God in another way. God as the one who hears the cries of the oppressed. God is liberator. And this week, we're going to journey with this newly liberated body of people and listen for what their journey, their wandering story with God has to say to us. But first, I want you to put yourself in their shoes, in the shoes of the Hebrew people. They lived as enslaved people for generations, meaning they didn't have the freedom to figure out how to live. They were told how to live, what to do, how to be, where to be. They didn't get to make the rules. They were told the rules and punished if they didn't follow the rules. So when they are freed, 
When they fled Egypt to begin a new life as a people, they had to figure out who and how they would be. And this is where their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness comes into play. I wish you could uh, see this picture in this book. I should have copied it and put one in your seat, but that probably would have broken some copyright laws. Um, But I wish you could see this picture that Erlander has in his book. It says, going to the wilderness school, and you've got a teacher and the people, and it says, today's lesson, living as free people. And there's these two little groundhogs that pop up throughout the book, kind of as um, comedic relief. And the first groundhog says, they have to be taught how to live. And the second groundhog is like, they're only human. But their first lesson, the first lesson we come across if we think about this wilderness school and this new journey of freedom, their first lesson is bread from heaven. God, the teacher, waited for a teachable moment, a moment which came when the people grumbled about food. We're going to be reading pieces, jumping around in Exodus 16. And as we prepare to hear God's word this day, let us pray. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your words be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your words be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. So beginning with verse 1 of Exodus 16, the whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, And Israel came to the wilderness of Sinai, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, where we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them, whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. Now jumping to verse 9. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God." In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. 
Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each of you needs, an omer to a person according to the number of persons, all providing for those in their own tents. The Israelites did so, some gathering more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, those who gathered much had nothing over, and those who gathered little had no shortage. They gathered as much as each of them needed. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over until morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and became foul. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, as much as each needed. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much, two omers apiece. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil, and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning, as Moses commanded them. And it did not become foul, and there was no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. And then jumping over to verse 32. Nope, yes, that's right. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations in order that they may see the food with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Sorry, I'm jumping back to 31. The house of Israel called it manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. The Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to a habitable land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, Erlander, in his book, he rephrases this story this way. He says, the way God gave the manna and the way the people gathered it and shared it taught the people how to live as a special people on this earth. And what did the manna teach them? How did manna living look? Well, lesson one. God gives manna to all. God provided the manna each day. And what they learn? Well, it kind of points us back to that original creation story. All food is God's. In fact, everything is God's. We own nothing. We can trust God for daily bread. The people gathered manna each day for their tribe which to them said, work is how we help God in meeting the needs of all people. Larger tribes gathered more, smaller tribes gathered less. All had enough and no one had too much. God gives us daily food, so hoarding is unnecessary. Maybe we will remember that next time there is an unexplainable run on toilet paper. Food is for all, not just the big deals or the deserving. God gives enough. All can therefore live in sufficiency with neither too much or too little. That's a lot. 
for just a lesson of gathering daily bread from a substance named manna that literally means, what is it? And the other lesson they learned um, from this daily manna living was that hoarding stinks. God taught this second lesson when some of the people decided to hoard the manna. The manna grew maggots and smelled foul. The way God gave the manna, the way the people gathered it and shared it, taught the people how to live as a special people on this earth. Not only do we learn some pretty practical lessons from the story of the manna about being content, about sharing, about not hoarding, but most importantly, what we learn is that God the creator, God the liberator, God the teacher, God who hears the cries of the oppressed, God desired a different way of being for those liberated. They were not to live the way Egypt lived, with some on top and some on the bottom. God was teaching them a different way of being, one to be shared with the wider world. Now, Erlander throws in some other verses as he tells this story, and one of them is from the prophet Micah. He says, the nations of the world will notice how these people live. They will see how joyful life can be. Tired of war, oppression, and greed, they will ask these people to teach them how to live. Now maybe jumping to nations, um, nations noticing this way of being, maybe that seems a little too out of reach for you, a little too pie in the sky, too Pollyanna. So let me give you um, a closer to home story. Many of you know my friend and clergy colleague, Reverend Michelle Schrader. She's been battling cancer over the past few years, and she shared a, a video on Facebook this past week. You may have seen it. She said a friend called her who had been wrestling with some things, asking some deep questions. And they called Michelle specifically because they have been watching Michelle's community surround her during her cancer journey. And they've been amazed by the witness of a community loving someone so well. Michelle released this video to her tribe who has been surrounding her and said, because you loved me so well, someone called me and thought, hmm, maybe I should believe in God. Maybe I should think about joining a community of faith and being part of making a difference in the world for good. The witness of community loving someone well made someone think, maybe I should believe in God. Maybe I should think about joining a community of faith and being a part of making a difference in the world for good. Now there is plenty that we can name about the church that needs correction or that causes unnecessary harm. 
or that self-righteously names who and how persons should be. But gosh, when we are at our best, this is who we are. We give witness to the world of how it looks in community to love well. As we said a couple weeks ago, want to aid God in the redemptive and restorative work of Jesus? Love God, love neighbor. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Erlander, in his work, summarizes another passage from Micah and one from Isaiah by saying this, Through these people, I will teach all nations to live as partners with me. Then the day of shalom will come to all humans and to the whole creation. That's a bold statement to make. You know, yesterday I stood in this same space as we celebrated the life of a beloved member of this church family, and I said that I had a pretty bold task, that we as a people of faith have a bold task to stand in the midst of hurt and pain, of grief and anger, of unanswerable questions and the unfairness of life, and to point to a God who holds it all. You know yourself that in moments of loss, um, so many things that we think are important suddenly don't seem so important anymore. Stuff doesn't seem important anymore. So I don't think the lesson on manna is really about stuff or hoarding or not hoarding, although those lessons are certainly there. Ultimately, manna living is about being a community who loves well. And part of loving is making sure that all those have daily bread. The wilderness school for this newly free Hebrew people was not about a set of rules of right and wrong or who's bad and who's good, although those lists of rules are certainly there if you continue on in the story. But first, first we have this manna story. And manna living is about a people choosing to share life together and choosing to do so in a particular way, to be a set-apart people, the people of God. God the creator, the liberator, the teacher. The wisdom we have from the story of a wandering people practicing manna living is the story of trusting in God's provision, finding contentment, living out of our abundance together, loving well. Paul S. Camilla, in Longing for Enough in a Culture of More, says this, What we need is not more, but an awareness of what we already possess and are possessed by. What we need is not always elsewhere or otherwise coming soon, just over the next horizon, right after that next deal, next job, next purchase, next promotion. What we need has already been looked after. What we need is here. I feel like the best way to sum up all of this is just to repeat what has previously been said. 
We may not be in the wilderness listening to God's daily instruction, but we have been given wisdom for the journey. Want to aid God in the redemptive and restorative work of Jesus? Want to practice manna living? Love God, love neighbor. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen.